guidelines for conversations with kids. Um, get a basic idea yourself. We're going to start there today on a fun one. Translate the childese. We're looking for the words that help, not the words that we learn necessarily, which is actually a lot like preaching, by the way, uh, that they teach you all these great words in grad school, and then you get a job and realize no one knows those words, and so you're trying to find other words. Parenting is much the same. If you can get a metaphor, that's the win. That's good, good communication. If it's a biblical metaphor, even better. Okay, We're going to tolerate misunderstandings, encourage questions, and imagination. Today's topic, we talked about the Son, we talked about the Father. Obviously, we need to talk to our kids about the Holy Spirit. You know the old uh, Church of Christ joke? Instead of Trinitarians, we're Binitarians. We believe in the Father, Son, and... <coughs> yeah. we, we don't always do a lot of talking about the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's awkward and difficult. For good reason. A lot of the people who talk about the Holy Spirit a lot do it terribly. So, I mean, fair enough, right? So we just don't say anything. Also not a great idea. That's what we complain about to our therapists, you know? So all, all about choices. Um, what do we want to say about the Holy Spirit in general? I'm talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the Trinity concept, tough cookies. I'm not going to have anything new or good to say about that. Okay. But three things I do want to be able to say is he is fully divine. Okay. In the doctrine of the New Testament and the Old, he is not a metaphorical projection of God. He is God. Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. Okay. He is not even an aspect of God. He, he is God. Okay. So somehow, I kind of have to, this is one that I want to communicate to adults too, but don't think of the Father as the real God, and then the Son as the demigod, and the Spirit is kind of like the little angel he sends out or something. Like, you know, it's God, 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 God. And I know it's tough, but that's what we believe. So fully divine. I'm also going to stress the fact that the Holy Spirit is mysterious and that that's okay. Um, there's actually a passage when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16, where he tells his disciples, he will not speak of himself. But what the Father has given him to say of me, he will say. The Spirit was going to communicate really well about Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not spend a lot of time talking about himself, and so we just don't know as much. And that seems to be his point. He wants the spotlight on the gospel. And so that's his role, and he, he as God, has embraced that. So there is some mystery intentionally with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And then something about, in the Old Testament, anytime you talk about the Spirit, you're talking about the powerful, palpable presence of God. It's... it's has force and action and agency and all this. Yeah, so those are great big words. What do we do with fully divine? How do I say that to kids? Um, same thing I did with the son. The son is God like the father. How about the spirit? The spirit is God like the father. So he's the father? No, sorry. Again, the Trinity's tough. But I do want to say he's not lesser God or diminished God or partially God. Holy Spirit, every bit God. Mysterious, that's a fun word. We don't know him very well, right? And that's fun to say to kids because they want to know everything. And at least at one point, they believe you know everything. And it's fun to get to say, I don't know that one. 
Wasn't that a problem? No, <laughs> it's not a problem. I don't know much about that one. And he is a little mysterious. Yeah, right. That's, I mean, that yeah. child, I think that would be. How to get from Holy Ghost away from poltergeist, like that it's yeah. it's a good a good kind of, and the words, nerd out for a minute, Holy Ghost in your King James Bible. I mean, it comes from the old English geist, like it's, it's, yeah, poultry, like holy spooky thing, you know, it's a weird word. Um, so in our heads, we're trying to say it differently, but yeah. Uh, and powerful presence. Probably the best thing I want to say as we talk about the work of the spirit for a child is he helps us, but he remains unseen. Maybe a little later you can talk about a, you know, when there's a play, there's the people that are behind the curtain. And all you see is the play and the props and everything, but there's guys behind like doing set lights and moving things back and forth. Uh, the Holy Spirit does a lot of his work behind the curtain. And that's just the way he prefers it. Doesn't mean he's not real or his work is unimportant. It makes the show work, but he doesn't like the spotlight. It's always just a little bit further back in the shadow. That's a hard one to explain to adults. So probably don't lead off with that in your conversations with kids, but they ask this. I, I do want us to be able to have a conversation. Uh, what metaphors? The good news is the Bible is actually overflowing with metaphors for the Spirit. It's almost all we have. Like there are no concrete statements about the Spirit. It's just a whole bunch of metaphors. So, for example, John 3, 8, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it goes from, uh, comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. In, in Greek, for what it's worth, the word for spirit is pneuma, or pneuma if you decide to make the P silent. Uh, same thing, we get uh, pneumatic, air-based, okay? So pneumatic pump, pack drill, pneumatic press, air-based, and that's our word, pneuma. Uh, and it literally, the word wind in the first part of that sentence is pneuma. And then the word spirit in the last part of the sentence is pneuma. It's the same word. The Greek word for wind and the Greek word for spirit is the same word. And it's only through context clues that you can even tell which one is which. And so there are some translations that just translate this as the wind blows where it wants to, so is the wind. <laughs> like this is not even a metaphor. And then there's a few translations that say the spirit blows where it wants to, so is the spirit. But most of the translations pick up on apparently he's trying to make a play on words. This kind of wind is like this kind of wind. The wind is like the spirit. The spirit's like the wind. Why would we say the spirit is like wind? Why would we like that metaphor? Don't see it, you can see of it. Yeah, you don't ever observe wind directly. You see the results. Okay. Does that mean it's not real? You're going to ask, ask hurricane people. Powerful, palpable, changes things, right? Absolutely effective and invisible. You never see the wind. You see things flying around in the wind. Oklahomans, we don't have hurricanes. What do we have? Yeah. So we can talk about like 
apparently. I remember as a kid actually asking my mom this question at some point. We had the whole meteorology talk at school or something in grade school, and I said, so what is really dangerous about tornadoes? Like, it's wind. It's like it's not physically like there. It's invisible. You know, and I'm I'm trying to argue with her, and she's like, it picks you up and throws you. That's what's dangerous about it. <laughs> and, and I'm like having this very concrete, like an invisible thing can't hurt me. It's wind. And she's like, that's not how it works. It. And we watched Twister, and we understood. Right? <laughs> you've got you've got cows. So, so it is with everyone. So wind is a great metaphor. Uh, you look at wind in trees, and it just I had to use a video clip for this one because a static won't get the point across. It's just lots of leaf, right? Mm -hmm. It's something in motion. That's how it works. Uh, so we cannot see the wind. Where is the wind? Wherever there's air, I guess. I mean, it's, it's motion. Um, the wind moves without any obvious pattern or reason. Um, if you want to lose your brain, go to a, a physics or meteorology class while they're trying to model wind patterns. I mean, you want chaos and madness. The computer just melts and says, please stop. There's so many. It's all, in theory, cause and effect. Like, it's all science, but there's so much going like this. It's just like, come on. It's more or less blowing that way. Isn't that good enough? And you watch your kite dance in the wind, and you're like, why does, there is a reason that the leaf goes this way, and then this way, and then over here. But if you try to plot that on an XY graph, you're going to lose your mind. Okay. So it's, there's a reason to it, but it's not an obvious reason. I don't think anything the Holy Spirit does is random. It might appear random, because I don't understand it, as we discussed this morning. And it moves the leaves. Like, there's actual results. The Holy Spirit is not our imaginary friend. There are actual changes in the world because he is who he is. So I think that's a great metaphor. Um, we cannot see the Spirit. Spirit is everywhere. That's the big point in the Old Testament, by the way. In the Old Testament, it's where can I go from your spirit? Do I go to the highest mountain or the deepest depths or to even the depths of hell? Like I couldn't get away from your spirit. Right? So there's no place you could go to get away from him. Jonah tried. Spirit is there. Uh, spirit moves without any obvious pattern or reason. And I got, I don't know. Somebody tell me how to say that better. Obvious pattern or reason is the physicist in me speaking. To a kid, I want to say it's not random. The spirit has a reason for what he does, but it just may not always be obvious. I may not always know what it is. Something like that. And then the spirit influences us. I like the word influence. It is, again, back to poltergeist. It's, it's easy to get to like possession or mm -hmm. uh, compulsion. Huh? He's a helper. helper is a good he's word. A helper. Yeah. And the New Testament is careful with that language. It'll be mm -hmm. helper, comfort, strengthen, never compels, forces, drags, right? It's always like mm -hmm. nudges, not shoves. And so the never word. Comforting yeah. Yeah. It's also, uh, it's also motivating because the agency lies on that passage that will, will always blow my mind in Philippians that says um, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling makes it sound like it's all you 
And the rest of the sentence says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do it yourself because God's in you helping you do it. What? And that's the doctrine of the spirit in a nutshell. Like, yeah, it, it is on you. And he's going to be behind you going, The uh, idea of God or the Spirit influences this uh, going back to the wind and the comparison of the wind and Spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of things in nature that wind has an effect on. The strength of trees, you know, they've proven that yeah. if you throw a tree in an environment where there's no wind, where they're not as as sturdy. Yeah. So that in that same way, I think the Spirit can influence us to make us. Well, we wouldn't be without. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Like, how does how does the wind strengthen trees? But by, by being wind, by blowing, you know. And you said, oh, I don't get that. Opposition. Huh? But it's something about the resistance that makes it work mm -hmm. over time. And it's not really even a obviously measurable thing. I suppose you sat out there day after day with a you know, wind gauge and a you know. Some, so there's some guy out there getting his PhD in it, I'm sure. But for the rest of it, it's like it just works. <laughs> Right? It just works. Another kind of wind metaphor, but a little different direction. This is Second Peter one twenty one. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, old King James says moved, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But it's not moved in the sense of picked up and sat down. It's... Um, literally carried along, it's a sailing verb. So the, the metaphor that kind of built in, if we all spoke Greek, but we can steal it, is it's wind in a sail. If the wind moves the entire ship over great distances, the ship cannot sail without any wind. Like it's absolutely essential, absolutely necessary. It gets the job done, couldn't be done without it. But then back, is there any point to being a sailor then? The wind just does the job. Well, clearly, like you're involved. And there's cooperation and mastery and artistry and volition and choice and all that. And then if the wind doesn't blow, it doesn't work anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, kind of the connection with the spirit is, yeah, you're, you're supposed to be mastering your vessel and, and, and understanding how to make good choices. And if the wind doesn't blow, it doesn't work. That's the motivating power behind prophecy in that verse and then behind the whole life of the Christian in other passages. Another interesting metaphor is fire is often associated with the Holy Spirit, which is interesting. Um, it's easy for a kid to think of fire as like a negative thing, but uh, unless they're a fire bug like me, and then it's like, yeah, fire. Um, this is Acts 2, 3 through 4. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. What, what is it about fire? Um, well, do, do chemistry a minute. What uh, what state of matter is fire? <laughs> yeah. Solid liquid gas, right? Which one is it? It's fire. <laughs> it's it's this weird transformation of energy. Someday, when you're, you're really bored, have me out to the house with your kids, and we'll do a bonfire, and I'll give them my Richard Feynman uh, sunlight speech, which amuses no one, but I enjoy it, uh, that fire is actually sunlight. Uh, sunlight hits the tree, the leaf, and in the chemistry of the leaf, 
it takes the energy from the sun and uses it to pop a chemical bond into place, which allows the tree, plant, whatever, to have its shape, right? And then when you introduce a little heat later on, it pops that bond back out and quite literally sunlight bursts out. Your campfire is stored sunlight coming out of a tree, right? And so when you think, that way, it's kind of fun to me to think about that's what's going on. It's, it's sunlight, but it doesn't help me any. What's sunlight? Dang, I, did, I didn't get any closer to like a concrete answer, right? It's, it's this stuff. Um, how does that help me with the spirit? Fire is not a thing, right? You can't go grab an ounce of fire. It doesn't work that way. Um, but it clearly, does it have effect? Clearly, yeah. Go put your hand in it and you'll be affected quite quickly, right? It clearly has concept. It's very real. It's just not real in the same way chairs are. It's, it's a different kind of thing. And the Holy Spirit is very much like that. Um, and then one more before we pause and I see what you guys think about it. Um, I, okay. <laughs> what I want to say. Young conservative radical preacher Ben, once upon a time, would have said the Holy Spirit only influences the Christian through the Word of God, like exclusively through the Word of God. When you read the Bible, that's the Spirit working. If you're not reading your Bible, nothing's happening. The end, full stop. And I was quite the like rationalist about that and put it very neatly in some boxes. Now, as I mentioned kind of last week, come full circle and went through, that's uh, almost silly actually to say the wind only blows and my Bible's open. That's just not the way it works. Right? The Spirit does what he does. I still am persuaded that the primary way the Spirit influences us is through the words the Spirit gave us. So I want to always start there. It's just not the only one. Does that make sense in the difference? So if I want to get in touch with the Spirit, my first thought isn't I should go find my spirit animal in the woods or something like that. My first thought is uh, open my Bible and see what happens, right? But that is his primary tool. It's the most, let me say it like this, it's the most reliable tool for me to use to connect to the Spirit. If he wants to wake me up in the middle of the night and shake me, that's up to him, right? But in, the, in a given day, I want to hear from the Spirit the thing that I can most reliable go to and say, God, say something, is my Bible. Yeah. It's again back to the sailing metaphor. It would be like saying the only way the wind blows is in a sail. It's like, well, clearly for the purpose of sailing, that's the main thing wind does. But if you look an inch outside the ship, see all the waves, that's the wind too. Like it's the wind is doing all kinds of things. Clearly, the one you're interested in, the one hitting the sail. So if God wants to get your attention, <sighs> scripture, right? I mean, that, that's the primary reliable tool. Just don't get exclusive about it. And as you say, it quite often happens when my Bible's closed and my heart is open, but those words are doing their job. Well, that's what I was going to say, that the words are in me. Um, 
all the years of reading and those kinds of things, and I think that also is a way that mm-hmm. when a situation comes up, the Spirit can nudge you through the Scripture still yeah. into applying it into the situation. That's, I'm still a believer in Bible memory work. Like, I think it, it matters, and not not because there's a quiz at the end where it's like, can you quote Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse... No, but because there are some words that you might need one day, and it's great to have them when they're there. And so I am just... Don't tell Felicia I said this, she'll get the big head, but I'm just in awe of our kids down there a year's worth of memory verse. Yeah, that's... You think the devil's roommate. Yeah. And every time she adds a verse, it cuts into my sermon time a little more. And I'm like, just, just do it. Just do it. Add another verse. Do another one, right? It's great. Do all the book of Job. Now, now Matthew, right? Just do all of it. Right? It's, it's makes my life. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I was, I was expecting, well, January is Jesus wept. And then, Martin, it's, no, it's like, and here's a paragraph. I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's really, she's really doing my job to the adult ministry. I'm like, make the parents learn. (laughs) So the Bible metaphor is the spirit um, is talked about speaking, and then he'll quote a passage of scripture. Or he says to Timothy, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is able to make you wise. All scripture is breathed out by God. Again, wind language, breath language. Um, So what's the metaphor here? The Spirit is a teacher. Uh, I really like new songs, but there's an old song I like too. Um, the song More About Jesus by <coughs> Eliza Hewitt has a line right in the middle of like the second or third verse. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. And that to me kind of encapsulates the doctrine of the Spirit. Spirit of God, my teacher be. Like show me something I need to learn. So what does a teacher do? Does a teacher make you do math? You still have to do it, right? But the teacher, this is what an A looks like. Write your A underneath. And that's kind of the guidance and nudging and prodding and, hey, shut up over there. Please get back to your homework. Like all of those things, discipline, instruction, guidance, encouragement. Now we're talking about the Holy Spirit again. Spirit of God, my teacher be. Uh, I think it's a great metaphor, especially if they have a good teacher. If they have a lousy teacher, then Satan's like a teacher. No, I'm just kidding. If they have a good teacher, uh, it's it's really easy to say that's God comes alongside you and, and helps you with, with these things as, as you go. Okay, thoughts or comments on talking to kids about the Spirit? Does it come up much? Do I need to say Spirit-led louder in our motto verses to, to make the kids ask you about it? I can, next Sunday, I'll have Mark say, welcome to Central, where we're spirit-led, spirit-led, spirit-led. And then, then we'll see what happens. Church will split. Yeah, the end. <laughs> Binatarian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the topic of the spirit with children because it forces adults to admit that there's a limit to what we know and are comfortable with yeah. talking about. And I think that can be extremely instructive for the kid who... Is frequently reminded that they don't know any better and they don't know anything and their knowledge is not really worthwhile to see the adults in the room squirm a little bit with our limitation of intelligence is 
right. Yeah. I like it from a worldview point of view of, again, coming from the sciences, I think kids get the perception, either we know everything perfectly through some kind of process, whether it's scientific or quasi-scientific, or we're guessing and we know nothing. And they naturally start to say, what I learned at school goes into the know everything category. And then at church, they start out, we know everything. And then at some point, they move it over into the, we know nothing. So why would I have confidence in that at all? And I trust this other one. And then Christians get the bad rap of being like anti-science because it's like we're trying to make you pick. And in reality, it's all a messy combination of both. The things we understand really well, we have questions about. And the things that we have questions about, we also know some things about. You know, right? you don't know what's in my right pants pocket right now. You're probably sure it's not a full-grown African elephant. Right? You know almost nothing, and yet you're probably sure you can rule one or two things out. Elephant. Don't, don't start. Yeah, a ring of power. Yeah. Right. And, that's, and that's the way ignorance works. Like, ignorance doesn't always mean absolute ignorance. It means I don't know some things. And life is navigating that. And the Spirit is there to help. And he's also one of those things. <laughs> People are that way. And this is what's great about it, because we're trying to say the Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing. By the way, there's a fun one. Try really hard not to say the Holy Spirit, it does this. Try really hard to say the Holy Spirit, he does this, because he's a person. And the difference is things you can learn about objectively. People you don't know that way. You learn about people through interactions, through experience, and as we talked about this morning, through trust. It's a different kind of knowledge. So if you try to know God the way you know objects, not going to get there. And if you try to know your spouse or your parents the way you know object, you don't learn about your parents the way you learn about a chair. You learn about those things differently. It's a different kind of knowledge. I was about to start reading my dissertation to you there. Sorry, I'll stop. But I'm, I'm interested in that field. 